We are still flying through space there, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it is your first officer, football boys. You're locked into Commander's Log, the unofficial Star Trek Discovery Post show. But I am not alone. I am being joined by the captain, the man who every day looks in the mirror and says, I love me. Give it up for hello, John <laughs> Weber. <laughs> Flobo, what's up, my friend? <laughs> what's going on? What's and going we're on, not baby? alone, man. We're not alone. We're being joined by a very, very special guest. They is someone who goes on unsanctioned missions all the dang time. Give it up for the American only, Jimmy. Stay Hi, guys. Hey, Hi. I'm, I'm really so happy to be here. Yeah, man. You so can really, uh, Jimmy, in, in many ways, reflects Giorgio. There is a, a very evil sort Strong of... Strong, uh, feminine, you know, Asian. <laughs> I mean, that's for you to say. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, this, but this that's has... actually... What you're saying? <laughs> that's actually one of the really interesting things. I mean, Jimmy, on so many levels, is such a perfect guest for this show because mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy loves Star Trek. Uh, Jimmy is a big fan of many things geek. Uh, Jimmy's also uh, the American Oni. Uh, I made up a nickname for you, Oni, and I don't know if you're okay with uh, Brutal Cutie. No, oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a dope in the trademark, actually. <laughs> because American Oni is known as uh, a kawaii wrestler. Which is very exciting because uh, for the longest time, uh, the the sense of Japanese cuteness, kawaii, the the sort of adorable side of uh, Japanese popular culture, uh, was not represented in wrestling. And right. Jimmy and uh, Jimmy's uh, uh, partner and uh, partner in crime and manager, uh, Pris. <laughs> have been representing Kauai for three, four years now uh, right. on the independent wrestling scene. Right. Um, cool. A lot of it came from, uh, it was a little bit of influences all over, but one of them came from you, John, because uh, what a lot of people may not know is John and I rode to trips together all the time. We go to shows together all the time. And yeah. uh, when I first had this American Oni character, um, I was using it to like vent a lot of anger that I had uh, right. due to, um, although may, people may not be able to tell, my father is from Japan. Uh, I grew up very Japanese. Um, I am myself, I'm biracial. But um, I would get angry about a lot of the perceived uh, racism, for lack of sense of word, where I would see characters or Asian characters represented a certain way and it would anger me. So I had this like angry character and um, John, because John's a good friend of mine was also noticing it was kind of affecting my personal life too. And he was seeing me become kind of an angry person. So I decided yeah. to bring in more of the fun kawaii aspects of our culture, as opposed to just when I came out before it was a kimono an Oni mask, Tabe boots, which are like, people consider ninja boots or whatever right. so yeah. yeah so now i come and out hello you, kitty all that <laughs> and 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 at the time you were very um you were very much of the strong style uh as mm -hmm. as we say in wrestling uh 
and and that really hasn't changed. You're still pretty brutal inside those ropes, but outside the ropes, you're there for the kids and for the moms and the grandmoms. Uh, and and I'm always in wrestling. I'm always encouraging people. You know, appeal to everybody in the room, not just the hardcore fan, because right. there are plenty of big brutal wrestlers that the hardcore fans gonna love. But you know, they brought their wives, they brought their daughters, you know, they brought their moms. And uh, I was always one. I mean, I'll always flirt with the grandmas. That's that you can count <laughs> on me for that. Before um, wrestling or after? <laughs> All why <too> not both? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's uh, it's so accessible to uh, to become what Jimmy has become, and uh, to represent so many underrepresented people in wrestling. And uh, I, I'm very proud of you, Jimmy. I, I know I tell you uh, probably never enough, but uh, I, I, I'm so proud at how you have uh, brought so much of yourself into what we you know normally call the gimmick. You know, that's your wrestling well, persona. And when it's you, at its best, it's not a gimmick. Well, you uh, you are also there when I decided that I was going to bring the aspect the personal aspect of me being a non-binary person um, out of my personal life and put it out there as a wrestling thing, because um, it's important as a queer person, because I'm also pan uh, that kids, even other wrestlers see that it's okay. It's safe for you to be yourself and be yeah. out there and be the, by the way, I wanted to know that today I watched your guys' episode um, of where tall uh tall story essentially going to trill and all that and yeah. i saw how you guys spoke about non-binary people and pronouns and stuff i want to say i really appreciated how you guys oh, were open you. about that and are willing to educate yourselves on that because as two cis men um it's it can be confusing um there's a lot of things in there that like generational is different. I I'm 37 years old. I, I did not have this vocabulary growing up. So yeah. things are changing and moving and stuff. But I want to say, I appreciate that you guys did that as much as I appreciate the representation on the show as well. So oh, thank yeah. you. Great point. Oh, no, thank Great. You so and much. you're very welcome. Of course. Of course. We're, uh, we're just okay. trying to be better men. And uh, <laughs> thanks for taking on the show. We need all the views we can get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but, too. But you, you're right. I mean, one of the cool things about this season, uh, we have um, – uh, oh, give a shout-out to Roblin11, who's just a now follower of the Twitter page. Thank you so much. Check out the show. Thank you, man. As long as we talk about Sergeant Discovery, but wrestling, I'm here all – stick on the channel, man. Some good stuff is coming <laughs> through the pipe. A uh, lot of good things as far as like advancement of character, especially yeah. uh, now we, were, yeah. we saw Tall bringing in Stamets into i guess her her dynamic now uh with her boyfriend gray and uh it actually went a lot smoother than i thought it would be i thought it'd be at least an episode of being like she's crazy but but yeah. samus was kind of like yeah i've been dead before my, my my boyfriend's been dead before i totally get it you know <laughs> like i um uh, it's funny because i put that in my notes when i was watching the show uh that their relationship uh in the dynamics of their relationship. And this might be me just, and I realized that's what Star Trek is for. It's so you could put yourself into those characters and stuff like that. But um, I saw Stannis, an elder queer 
bringing in a younger queer and be like, look, this is okay. This is part of us. And, you know, I saw that reflection in queer society today. And also at the same time, with spoiler alerts, with uh, Tall helping Stan, uh, Stamus with their gimmicks on their wrist. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's also... <laughs> yeah, I, I, saw, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I also saw that that's the younger generation helping the elder generation heal from past trauma because there's a lot of that going on in the queer community nowadays. And it's, like I said, this might be, be me reaching or me hopefully or projecting, you know, on that. But I always feel that's what Star Trek was for. Like when my, I, I'm, a second, I'm a second generation Star Trek fan. I got into it from my father and my father's, biggest thing is he saw a Japanese man piloting the Enterprise when he was a little boy in yeah. Sulu. So, and yeah. also at the same time, because my dad grew up with two different cultures, he saw Spock as his character with two different cultures, and that meant so much to him. Right. So, yeah, it's very now, much... Now, let's, uh, let's just uh, uh, skip uh, very quickly, because I've never asked you about this, and Flobo, I've never asked you about this. When we are in, is it the third movie of the J.J. Abrams offshoot Star Trek movies? We find, we find out that this Sulu is gay, mm-hmm. has a partner, has a child. And uh, I remember there being among fans like, whoa, 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 whoa. They had changed a million things in the J.J. Abrams universe. This is right. not a huge change at all. Uh, not next to the fact that, um, if I remember correctly, this was from the Wrath of Khan. Uh, this was the second one, Beyond Darkness? Into Darkness. Into Darkness, yeah. and uh, I'm trying to remember yeah. if it was if it was that one or the third movie that we find this out. But I mean, they've changed so many things. Was that an abrupt change? Was that, you know, uh, did you have any kind of feelings about that, either of you? Uh, well, for me, um, I, I, it was kind of whatever. It just seemed like they were trying to squeeze in some representation, which is fine. Uh, I did find it interesting that George himself was like, well, my Sulu's not gay, uh, which was interesting because George himself is gay. George Um, Takei. Yes. The Uh, man who originated the part. Correct. Um, So, yeah, I found that interesting. That's funny. um, So George Takei was playing a straight man. Correct. Obviously, because it's the 60s. Right. no matter if you're gay or not, you're you're going to be playing straight. Uh, and so there he is going, well, that's nice you guys did that. And I always wondered if it was like a tip of the hat to George. Mm-hmm. And I'm you sure know? it was. Yeah, I think o- over time, the, the character and the actor got appreciated as a unified front by fans, you know, on the other end. But yeah. like to the point of it, except for Kirk, right? It, a lot of people were just in space doing sciencey stuff, <laughs> which sounds right. very technical. So yeah, I never think about it, you know, like like when when you have a reintroduction of a comic book character, like when Alan Scott was was gay, it was like, well, I never saw him get down at all. So right. like it didn't really yeah, bother right. me, matter. you know. So yeah, I just I don't know. It's very small it's- for me. It's like in the Facebook groups, everybody like wants to joke, like, how come you never see a toilet on the Enterprise? It's like, well, we don't need to see that stuff. 
<laughs> it's, it's not helpful to the character either way, so it doesn't matter. You know, right. just sitting there. Yes, we yeah. should go to that planet, you know. And yeah. I always assumed that was transporter technology anyway. Like you just go <laughs> in and you transport the stuff out of your body. Like out of your intestine, like straight and send like a little replicator. <laughs> Remove. Mm. Oh, and then those molecules can be used to make something else. You know? That that's that crazy. Uh we gotta talk about the what the big bombshell in this episode, uh, at least for me, uh, was that Saru basically stripped Michael Burnham of being number one. And the reason for that is you can go in more detail, of course. But I want to talk about the actual impact, right? A lot of people who hate the show say it's all about Burnham. She never gets any comeuppance. She never gets reprimanded. Everyone does her thing. And Saru, to his credit, didn't raise his voice, didn't snap her neck. He was just kind of like, I'm sorry, but this is a removal thing. To me, it was actually very, very poignant. I don't know your thoughts about that part of of Saru stripping Michael Burnham of her number one science, number one status, but still keeping her as chief science officer. Right, right. What'd you think, Jimmy? Uh, I I love Saru. I love Doug Jones, who plays Saru. Um, It's incredible how he was able to show so much emotion as an actor through all that makeup, talking to Michael Burnham. It really Um, is great. And I appreciate the respect Michael Burnham showed as well uh, when they said you're doing the right thing because Michael Burnham knows that there should be consequences. And this is a very complicated situation for Suru because Michael Burnham's been in this new world for a year. Uh, Suru has not. And Suru is conflicted here because Suru wants to show loyalty to Michael and to his crew. But at the same time, he's trying to hold stead to Starfleet and be a part of Starfleet in this new version of Starfleet that is different from anything he expected. Yeah, and well. and the stakes are really high. Like as storytelling goes, this is a a uh, there was always that tension. I actually am kind of relieved that she's not the first officer anymore. Really? I really am because to be Michael is so hard to be second in command. And uh, she is pulled in every different direction and has to be. That's just who the character is. She's pulled within Starfleet and without. She's she's pulled from outside forces. Uh, this last three years, I, I've seen I've seen fandom treat Michael so many different ways that I thought were unfair. But like, you're just gonna have to learn. You're just gonna have to develop your relationship with her. Is right. is my feeling towards them because my relationship with her has been, look, she's got to do what she's got to do. Yeah. To your point, We've, uh the Pris show says, I think it'll give the character more freedom. I I For believe sure. Chris is right on that. For sure. And and, and I think that was necessary. Uh, you know, to have someone uh in in the second season we have uh captain pike and captain pike is so much of starfleet he is so much like the best of, of what starfleet puts in one person and and that's great that we got to see that but when he and michael burnham are side by side they don't occupy the same space mm-hmm. you know he's mm-hmm. he's of starfleet she's from without and it's uh, it's fascinating that we have her there to be the bridge to um, Giorgio, who is right. very much the outsider. Uh, 
to be the bridge to Ash. It was very much an outsider. You know, she really, uh, she was the bridge to Saru in, in many ways, who's, who was an outsider. So and now to she, Right. And, yeah. and Book is classic outsider. And uh, what'd you think about that, Flobo? A little uh, bit of space love. I, you know what? I, I'm torn. And I mean this in the best possible way possible. Because, you know, people say, I'm torn. I already know about things. Uh, Michael Burnham <laughs> deserves love, especially the first season. Because I, I always make fun of, as much as I love the show Discovery, I always made fun of how season one tried to fit in the word Dakuvmach in every episode. <laughs> uh, Michael Burnham deserves love. Uh, and it was kind of apparent that she was on this any ship with someone of the opposite sex or if you are of, of that the persuasion for a year you would imply that things were happening or joe is kind of nagging at her but i would have loved it if it was a giant swerve i would appreciate yeah. it if it was just like a good friend so this doesn't upset me but it's kind of like man occam's razor right the most logical ah. response is ah. the response ah. Ah. i'm mad you know what i mean so i, I, no I totally know what you mean because i did <laughs> respect this friendship they were like oh you're alone together for a year huh well they yeah. weren't alone they were going places meeting other people you know all of this uh giorgio even tortures her over it uh and and <laughs> i love that little line of <laughs> do you remember that line jimmy you said love. <laughs> you know, I said love. How, how could I love here a year without you know? You said she love. Autocorrect. No, like who does that in te- like in speech? <laughs> you know? Oh, you spent enough time with me. You'll hear it. I live you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, my Freudian I, slips are not even slips. They're like big giant wedding gown trains. But that wasn't the first kiss, you guys. I don't think. I don't think so. I think they they were in relationship before. And they are reheating it, it looks like. Interesting. I think it was the first kiss. Oh. I do. I think they were in denial. They were doing that thing you do when uh, you're living with someone that you might be attracted with. And you just hold it off. Yeah. Also, uh, maybe like, I'm... I wouldn't know. Also, there's this <laughs> dynamic of they've been through a lot together. And sometimes whether you want to or not like certain situations will bring people closer together just may be a traumatic experience or something exciting or something pleasant like you go through experience together it changes uh dynamics of friendship or companionship or working dynamics all that changes through different things you go through and i mean she in his eyes she just saved his life from being a slave with the under the Orion syndicate. So like that means a lot. (laughs) That means a lot. Well, and a kind of returning the favor Uh, when they Mm -hmm. first meet, he's mostly the one doing the saving. So now they've got this very even relationship in terms of that. That was pretty interesting too. Yeah, it's a good point. And I just, I don't know, man. The, the, the phrase Orion Syndicate, this gives me chills. Like, well, how did this <laughs> rabbit hole go? You know? Because well, the Orions have a new shade of green in this season. You know, I'm sorry, right. like, it, you know that's, interesting. that's interesting, too. Go ahead, it, Jimmy. It was interesting to me that, like, so this is, like, way into the future. This is before, or, or this is after my favorite show, which is one of the last running shows, Deep Space Nine, and this is even after Picard at this point, and the Orions are still slaving people. <laughs> like, 
Hey, that's you know, so <laughs> when you think about it, though, that's funny because uh, I used to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all the time. And, and when they start dealing with aliens, one of the things that's constantly happening with the aliens is this race is enslaving that race and that race is enslaving this other race. And it really kind of uh, uh, points towards, you know, the the most horrific use of resources is to enslave another human being. Mm-hmm. That's just the most extreme thing. And, and one could argue because there's still so much slavery today on this planet that, that there's still uh, so much of this sort of natural, what is the easiest thing for me to do? Overpower someone who doesn't have the weapons that I have and buy and sell them. It's horrible, but it is the nature of living beings to dominate one another or try to. And slavery is usually where it ends up. The Orions have no rules against it at all. So you're constantly going to see it with the Orions. There's no taboo there. Well, it's part of their culture, I'm sure. So at this point, (laughs) it's deep in there. True. I don't know if you guys are into lower decks, but like, uh, there's an episode where like uh, Mariner makes an Orion mm-hmm. slur, and then, and then uh, she gets offended. She's like, oh, "I'm not like those people." You know what I mean? Right. Like, that, that, was, uh-huh. that was my first time ever seeing an Orion at all. Because my backstory is Discovery was the first Star Trek I fell into. Watched Picard. Back went back to TNG. I'm still on season three of Deep Space Nine, so I'm like I'm catching up. <laughs> it's a long right. battle. So my first right. time seeing an Orion was in a cartoon this year on Lower Decks, and I was like, "Are they really that bad?" And I watched nah. this going, "Oh, they they're pretty bad." <laughs> Why they won't tell me? <laughs> you, know? you, you guys were fighting. It's funny because like although like I said, I'm a second generation Star Trek fan. Growing up, it was more next gen. My my dad didn't watch a lot of reruns of the original series, but it was more next gen. So the first time I saw the Ryan, I think was Voyager, and I think Big Show was playing him. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> what I heard. <laughs> Which is a great way to be introduced to the Orions because <laughs> they are brutes, and so yeah. you might as well have this seven foot guy, this monster representing this very brutal battle you know and they're they don't have honor they're not like the the klingons in that sense you know right. they're thieves and uh our chief thief was tolor right uh osiris nephew just being that guy you know causing mm-hmm. a man to i guess kill himself but i mean he would have killed he would have shot him anyway um I, you know I, I i get it this is the uh this is the the, the show it was strength. very schindler's list Right, and that's what the, it really Ooh, got rough. me. I mean, because it was it was it was perhaps ironically so short. It was like ah, he's dead. So anyway, like it just felt very right. quick about this guy who lost his head at the perimeter. I don't know how you guys oh, felt about that. I, you know that was so brutal because I don't expect to see that. I'll, you know, I watched the boys. The boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched the boys, and you see sick stuff like that on on the Amazon series The Boys all the time. But mm-hmm. to see that on a Star Trek, his head blows up, and the body keeps running. Ah, yeah. Out <laughs> in these streets, baby. But that's that's <laughs> another interesting thing about Discovery is a lot of people. I remember when the first season came out, a lot of the older Star Trek fans were like, "Oh my God, Tilly swore." And it's like they're swearing in this Star Trek. And it's like, you got to remember, like, these things are not 
like although you might enjoy it they're for new people they're trying to bring in right. new people all the time it's like with different cartoons you have people like i'm an older millennial complaining about how like shira looks and it's like it's it's a cartoon it's not for you it's for eight-year-olds <laughs> it's right. like it's for the new shira like, fans right you hit the nail on the head like when I grew up, for me, Scooby Doo is a pup named Scooby Doo. Any other Scooby Doo is not the real one. The one from the '90s is Scooby Doo. But oh, that's that's, that's deep. That's that's very much like a weird toxic thing that fans do. Like they did it with the Ghostbusters and stuff like that, or when they did the female Ghostbusters. It's like, well, these are not your Ghostbusters, and that's okay. It's right. okay for you to still like your stuff just because but, something's yeah. altered or changed. It doesn't take away from what you love about the older one. Yeah, the J.J. Yeah. Abrams uh, Star Trek is another great example. It's a Star Trek. It's not yeah. the Star Trek. It's yeah. one treatment of this material. And I'm always here for that. Like, uh, Flobo, as a comic book fan, you've been through it this a million times, and Jimmy and I are both comic book fans. Uh, you know, you see these relaunches, the the new universe, the, the new 52 yeah. Uh, you know, you see all these constant relaunches. Uh, it doesn't take, it doesn't remove the old ones. It's the new one. Right. And what, what's great about uh, the Kelvin universe is what's what they call Abrams universe is just like in comic books, at least Marvel side of things, you could throw it in the backyard or, Oh, it's an alternate universe. So it's fine. It's not the universe I grew up with. It's the alternate universe. Right. And it's just like, that's the great thing about a lot of sci-fi and comic books is you can have alternate universes and you can play around with that and things can be different. A Star Trek was the first one to do that when they did the Terran universe. Uh, it's like, oh, there's an alternate universe where all these characters are bad guys. And I always found that is more fun and it gives me more content instead of taking away from the content I originally like. Right. And that actually brings us to another thing that happened in this episode is we get more of what's going on with Giorgio's like flashbacks or whatever she's going through. She, she, uh, in the pre, in the episode right before this one, when she's being, uh, interrogated by, uh, the Starfleet interrogator, uh, who was played by, David Cronenberg. Yeah, it's the guy, David Cronenberg. Right. I think they just call him interrogator in uh in, in the notes that I looked up. Uh yeah, um he's he's kind of set her mind uh astray, and now she's got some problems. We're dealing with a a, a Giorgio that's uh, being hampered by some real mental problems right now. I agree with you. And the line, what I really liked is that towards the end of this episode, Brenham's like, let me know. Let, put me in your plot line, bro. Uh, she says, uh, quote, until I know what's going on, I don't know what to ask for. So we don't even know, like, we see how it's affecting her, but we don't know what that means for her confidence. We don't know, like, that means for, like, her physical ability. She did pass out a couple of times, but I wonder what was going on or what that means. What do you think, Oni? Well, uh, it's funny because, like I said, I always and this is just how I enjoy my content is uh, how, it, how I feel in certain situations. And I, um, Michael is very much the adopted daughter of Giorgio. Like that's that. just how it is. And having an Asian parent, uh, it's rough for them to ask for help no matter what. Like not only is Giorgio Asian, Giorgio's Karen 
And right, I was we, like, is there yeah. a pair from another universe? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, but it's very much in in the Asian culture, especially with the older generation, where it's like you don't want to show signs of weakness. That's like that's where like a lot of the Asians have the Vulcan jokes of uh, my father's Japanese, so he doesn't show a lot of emotion and that things are we off if you notice they're showing emotion and they're showing a sign of weakness. So there's going to be a lot of resistance with Giorgio, I feel, when it comes to her uh, coming to realizing she needs some kind of help if right. if she gets able to even figure it out. And also, we can't forget the line where um, you mentioned the line, and I'm going to paraphrase because I wasn't smart enough to write down in a note, where... <laughs> She goes, I had my Giorgio say something similar with the same sincerity, and that didn't end well. So right. Giorgio's always right. going to be having this dynamic of how much Giorgio can actually trust Starfleet and why Giorgio's even there. Because I know there's there was fun with Section 31 for Giorgio. And Giorgio is also, you can tell Giorgio cares for Michael but they're only going to show it in certain ways. Right. It's all right. It's always in her own be... twisted way. Yeah. So and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was twisted for any reason other than she's Terran and she was like yeah. the Empress. You right. Know. Right. Exactly. What I, I always like to tell people about, uh, you know, people like to say Vladimir Putin, he's an ex KGB agent. No, no, no. He's the most successful KGB agent in the history of mankind because he, he, he runs won KGB. his country. <laughs> he won the he KGB. He won the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> he won the whole game. So it, Giorgio is not just Giorgio. She is the the almighty empress the person who was in charge of people's lives and deaths in this empire and uh you know that that level of power because michelle yo is such a great actress because the writers are so good they never let us forget her power her her mm -hmm. imperial presence over everyone else there are moments that I'll make fun of, like where she kicks the guy's leg out in the third episode, and she's like, diplomacy is so slow. Right. And, and that, to me, was such a, uh, you know, the jukebox isn't working, so Fonzie comes over and hits it, and suddenly it's playing 1, one o'clock, 2 o'clock. Just compare Empress to Fonzie? What? what? <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> one day Yay. Tuesday, happy news. They get us canceled. They get us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what you gonna have? Uh, before I get to my first question, my next question, I just want to say that Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. The holidays are coming up with Thanksgiving starting next week, so do yourself a favor, head to Geek Renaissance on Instagram, at Geek Renaissance, on the website, geek.renaissance.company.site, and buy some gifts from some friends. You know, check out some of the keychains and the baubles, all that cool stuff over at Geek Renaissance. John Webber's gonna buy like $200 worth of stuff, and I'm gonna watch I it. I am so doing it. <laughs> Make sure you support small business. <laughs> At Geek Renaissance, uh, Discovery has a little bit of a different role now. Now they're within Starfleet. Got some upgrades. Looking pretty fly. Pit my ride. Those uh, worker oh, bots. Yeah, bots we saw in the intro are going to town on it. And yeah, they now... got those nacelles now. 
that aren't <laughs> attached to the attached to the ship. That's crazy. Don't I'm sorry, I interrupted. I, I don't know. Do they juggle? Do they switch over? Do they get to combine on one side? We have no idea because programmable matter is all up in that ship now. Yeah. Only question. Upgrades are good. It makes sense for the story, the plot, all that stuff. But is it the right call to have upgrades so soon? Would you would have stressed that out a bit? Would you have them be more over the ship? Or you're like, nah, man, get the good stuff now. I here's the thing. I it's a story plot. It's I I think it seeds because we got to remember Discovery is having that AI issue. We don't know what's going on with the computer. We don't know if it's just the the orb. We don't know if it's that uh, that evil AI that they were fighting influencing Discovery. There's a lot going on there. So I think all this new technology is going to play into the story of what's going on with the onboard computer. Like even all their new uh, badges and such. They're, um, I mean, you you have that, I forgot that character's name. He's one of my new favorite Linus. characters. Linus. Yeah. He's he's going all over the ship because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing with this equipment, and I love it. He's like interrupting everybody and like he's yeah. But I think that's going to play into a long term storyline regarding what's going on with onboard computer uh, adding this new technology, and I mean you got to look at like this like the world it is now with our new technology. I mean, I've only been alive 30 plus years and technology has drastically changed very quickly and look how people are reacting about it socially. Like yeah. Facebook does a lot of good things. It, you know, it helps out with different careers and stuff, but it's also a nightmare. You have people tearing each other apart left and right. So I think that's yeah. kind of yeah. what we got to worry about with this new technology going on the discovery. Like what's it going to do for the ship? I can't that, imagine being like a Middle East, Middle Middle Ages knight and getting like a laser sight when you land in the present. That just pff, yeah, blows the mind, uh, John. Yeah, and like, they and they hand you a cell phone too. They hand you an iPhone. Right. Here you go. Yeah. Some of all human need. knowledge. Yeah. And, right. And you know, going off what you're saying, Oni, I I see that as being a huge boon towards getting us more of that Star Trek that we know, which is we have technical problems. They are puzzles. And thank goodness we have the people we have to unravel these puzzles and to to solve these problems. Uh, in Next Generation, you had the Holy Trinity of uh, Wesley, uh, uh, Jordy, and Data. And they're constantly uh, trying to solve problems, just the three of them. Now we have our trilogy, uh, our, our trio. We've got uh, Stemets, we've got Jet Reno, and we've got Tilly. And There's there are plenty of other people, too. <laughs> <laughs> Was that I a defeated love side? Tig. Oh. I love Tig. Uh, the more Tig I could get on Star Trek, the better. That's just my opinion. That Tig made me is so very happy. Much the, Tig is very much the bones, if you look yeah. back at the bones. original series. Like, they never, like, they're going to fix it, but they're going to give you crap the entire time. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's almost yeah. like an earnestness to her snark. She's not she's not snarky for the sake of being it, but it's kind of like, come on, that won't work because X, Y, and Z. And it's actually kind of refreshing, and it comes to a lot of stuff, especially for me, because I watch it as a new fan, and I take notes. And like, okay, everyone's saying my seal network. What does that mean? And she goes, ah, this is the box. You're like, sweet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, thanks for bringing it, bringing it down. <laughs> She'll break it reason. down. 
Yeah, now, yeah, she's before before Discovery was announced and stuff. John could tell you I was writing what I was hoping was going to be like a web series, and Tig um, and Reno kind of cut away from one of the things that uh, John had kind of uh, because I wanted John to be in this web series and I wanted John to do to be the engineer and and John was like. Man, I don't want to learn techno babble. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Hollywood John Weber over here. Jeez. (laughs) Because because techno babble is like half the time, like Greeno did. Half the time, fans are watching. They don't know. Like there are some fans that are really into it, and they do have the specs, and they study the specs of Discovery or the Enterprise, and they understand that. 90% 90% of the fans aren't paying attention to that. So they just hear this techno babble and stuff like that. And they're like, eh, okay, but it's great. Like you mentioned earlier, where Reno's like, it's a box. Like, <laughs> yeah. like oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I loved her approach to engineering, which was look, um, yeah, I'm keeping people alive when they first meet her. She's yeah. keeping her crew alive. Yeah, I'm keeping them alive because they're machines. I know how to keep machines going. So medicine's not that confusing to me and, and that's like a thing. great moment where you go she's cool yeah, yeah. you know she's like yeah that's an understatement uh some of your real quick thoughts about the discovery's role as a rapid responder ship i mean they do have the their own drive and it's the mycelia network drive and of course i would use it too but they're kind of not part of starfleet they're kind of hanging out they're keeping the uniforms this little side quest there is that the best call for discovery i heard some rumors or fan theories that they're going to like break away when it's all said and done but I just feel like at the same time they should be wearing the same uniforms, no? It's interesting. I, I feel like yeah. that harks back to what we were talking about early is or earlier is how much Starfleet is trusting Discovery and vice versa. I I believe that Saru wants to uh trust Starfleet more than maybe Starfleet deserves as well. Because yeah. There's this buffer there where they don't know what's going on. They seem to believe that they're from the past, but there's just this barrier there. And also, we don't know why... Um, I forgot what it's called. The, um, why all the ships exploded, the what they're calling it. The burn. The burn. Yes, again. We don't know why the burn happened. Maybe it has something to do with Starfleet. Maybe it doesn't. So I feel like the fact that that tension between Starfleet and Discovery is there makes perfect sense because there's a lot of trust to be built. If, if, if they're both still good guys, there's a lot of trust to be built there for a lot of reasons. So um, that's, that's my perspective on it. I, I just I think and also that adds to the story it adds I've noticed this season has a lot more tension like you're seeing a lot more tense moments of what's going to happen next you, and it's hard to tell and as a wrestler and wrestling fan it's hard to get me to think what's going to happen next like like there's old saying can't carn a carny <laughs> so it's hard <laughs> to get, get me get my hopes up and not know what's going on and i could see where they could take different avenues and i don't know which way they're going to go and that makes it a lot of fun sure i I agree with you the press show says seems that ship discovery is being relegated to a red cross position 
versus ambassadorial. Good point. Which is, right. I guess it's an important role that you have a role off the bat, but I don't know. Something's kind of fishy. Well, it's interesting because the Admiral is so sort of snobby about, well, we don't do five-year missions anymore. You know, it's like, you clowns don't understand what Starfleet is now. And it's pretty easy to understand what it is now. But yeah, uh, Jimmy brings up a great point, And I hate myself for this. Like, every time... Every time I watched uh, Law and Order, one of the things that would always happen would be they would arrest somebody, and then I'd look at the clock. Because if it's not the half hour in, that's not the person they're going to arrest. They're going to arrest someone different, because once they get to half an hour in, now it goes over to the lawyers. Right. And just knowing that, the way it works for Star Trek Discovery for me is every season has its own storyline, its own sort of, you know, this is the world and this is how it is right at this moment. And so here we are, we're 930 years in the future. They're, they're trying to get back to Starfleet. Is this from now on? Is this the series from now on? Or is it just this season? Because they do that. Right. And I don't hate it either way. I'm happy either way, but I kind of hate myself. And is, this a, <laughs> and is this a Starfleet they want to be part of? That's a very good question. Because this Starfleet does something yeah. we could learn. Like, yeah. they, it could be a Starfleet that doesn't have the ideals that Saru's holding on to. So. Yeah. I think that's a, the big theme of them. When, every time come, someone comes back to their home planet or their end of their journey, the whole like uh, the Odyssey curse being like, oh, what did I come back to? Sort of. Mm. But but like mm-hmm. Law and Order is a kind of a crazy example because like that show will always be between 42 and 44 minutes. Like Star Trek Discovery this season has aimed between 48 and 55. And that's huge. Right. Like knowing that's where your act breaks are. So uh, yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but it, one of the cool things that we got some information today is that there's a theory now prevailing that the burn has a point of origin. It wasn't just like right. a random, oh, pfft, it was right. from something or somewhere, hoping that black box to tell us something. Any predictions of what that could be? A good question, I, I, man. I mean, there, there could be so many things. We know they, uh, they shot that, AI, that problematic AI into the future somewhere. And they're like, oh, it's not our issue when that happened. <laughs> and I mean, that's basically how they handled it that season. And so it could tie into that. Um, I remember last season there was a theory is, is that how the Borg's going to start? And like, we, nobody knows how the Borg started. Um, and then there's also, yeah. And there's also things that um, like this new Starfleet Admiral, he's holding all his cards close to his chest. And like I say, you could go back to you can't carna carney. Like he's taking all the information from Discovery, but he's not giving anything back. So there's a lot of things there. It's like, well, why aren't you sharing? Like, is he hiding something? Well, because it's all about trust. We're we're getting that a big helping of that too. Uh, Flobo, I did. I hope I'm not breaking up your flow my friend but i did find an easter egg in this one i had to look really hard (laughs) this is the easter egg i found there might be more that other people found so this uh when book is on this salvage planet and he is captured and they are all all of the uh 
people who've been captured are being used as slaves. Uh, he's got that one guy, that one uh, a dude's name is Rin. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he is a um, Andorian. Yeah, I'm excited for this character. I, I, it seems really fun. Yeah. Okay, so did you like him? Did you like Rin? Did I, I like did. Rin? Because I, I, there's something I liked about him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think because of, of the interest of time, a lot of his characterization was kind of like, you know, like, yeah. was being like, it's okay, you have to do what you did, because you're the guy that let him up, right? like, it felt like it was very compact, <laughs> and so that didn't quite sell it for me, but if I accept yeah. it as his truth, then yeah, I'm, I'm totally wanted to, to go with it, and he survived, which, I wrote in my notes, just uh, proves the Orion guns the weakest oh, weapons in the universe. Yeah. They can't kill anybody with those things. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Took a shot point blank and survived? Okay, whatever. You know, I'm glad he did, though. I'm not, I'm not you know, that, but... Well, if you're right, familiar right. with the Andorians, okay. it's interesting to me how insular this Andorian is, because Andorians were like the anti-Vulcans. They were boastful. They were loud. They were super emotional. And for mm-hmm. this character to be so reserved, it shows they're, they've been through some trauma True. or who knows right. what else is going on in their mind. But th- this is a very reserved, insular Andorian. That's true. That and is definitely Rin, true. M- Rin may very much uh, be uh, a recurring character. It's entirely possible. So okay. here's what I dug up about Rin. He is played by Noah Averbach Katz. Noah okay. is married to Mary Wiseman. Mary Wiseman is Tilly. Oh. So this brand new character, this noble Andorian who had his uh, antenna clipped off by his, you know, slavers is being played by Tilly's husband. They are fresh, freshly married. They are very recently married. Uh, when she got the job. So, I mean, to me, like three years is recent. But they've been married about three years. When they, when they got married, she went up to Toronto to shoot this. He was traveling. He's, he's an actor. He's a stage actor. He was traveling around the country doing different plays. So they weren't seeing each other very much. So now they're together on this show. It just makes me so happy. I just love Mary Wiseman I, so I have much. to say I'm a little yeah. sad that she's off the market. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, plenty of gals like her. <laughs> no, there's plenty of people. Plenty of people like her out there, pal. I mean, that's one By of those things way, that I love, too. And Pris will probably... I'll let Pris tell you the story. Pris met her at our local Starbucks. So I'll, oh, I'll leave that story. I'll leave that story for Pris <laughs> to know, tell you next I week. I totally picked Telly as a coffee bean gal. But okay, <laughs> Good on her. That's great. <laughs> uh, oh, and there's Tilly, one more connection. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, uh, so Mary Wiseman and Noah Averbach uh, were both uh, at Juilliard together, and there was a um, there was a performers uh, major that they were in there. About 15 performers in there. Also in there was Mary Chieffo, who plays Laurel, the Klingon, the albino Klingon woman. Oh. who was the lover of Ash. 
so those three actors actually have a big history and that's it that's a, that's what i have oh that's cool man that's i know is that that much of a family which i guess happens if you it's a a big thing you know uh, no so you mentioned him mentioned tilly and uh this is the scene i, I wanted to talk to you about with saru confiding in tilly about michael burns whereabouts mm. and i understand saru doesn't have like a a gizmo like fred flintstone to talk to he's needs to have someone to talk to but was tilly the right call i mean she's just an ensign i thought that was kind of uh interesting that saru confided in tilly as a person and as a subordinate about michael's whereabouts I, I think this goes back to well, the episode where uh, I think this goes back to the episode where Tilly goes. Um, I do. Where Tilly goes to uh, and mentions, "Well, this is my family on a Tuesday or whatever." Uh, right. There, there, there's a building of a relationship, and I always found that uh, a good quality of a Starfleet captain. And you've seen this in the past, where captains get better as their story arcs even picard when everybody seems like picard like picard stands or like big on like almost like he's a perfect ca- captain he only gets better the more he listens to his subordinates and gets their points of views he grew as a captain with that and i've noticed that with most starfleet captains so i think even though she's just an ensign it shows well of a leader to try to have that relationship with his entire crew, no matter what their rank is. And the fact that uh, Saru's culture is so much different than a lot of people, because remember, he's the only one of his kind in Starfleet. Um, A lot of people don't know this. And so the fact that she reached out to him first, I think is why he's feeling comfortable talking to Tilly. Well, and remember, when they land in the future, uh, the two of them are the away team that goes and tries to get the uh, transpot- transponder. They, they try to get their equipment fixed on the planet, and he chooses her, and she says, why did you choose me? And he says, you know, you're the best person I can think of to make a first impression. There is an affection. There is also they're the same kind of person. You know, they're, they they have big hearts and they really put their feelings up front. And uh, that's optimistic. that's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. Very optimistic. Absolutely. Very, very uh, do we think, do we think, May Flobo, that she is now the new first officer? Do you think so, that Jimmy? That would be a big leap. That'd be a big leap in rank. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that stops me. Like, because if if the storyline from last season played out with her going to like command school, I guess that I, I would have bought that a little bit more. But to go from an ensign to number one, unless that is going to be the point that Saru is mm-hmm. like, I am picking someone who is outside of like that structure to have someone with a temperament first. Because we all need good leaders in, in, in countries and states with good temperaments, right? Uh, to pick right. Tilly, then I'll be on board. But that would be a hard sell if I'm like, I don't know, Reno or Stamets going, the what? <laughs> you know? How? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hate for it to be Lieutenant Nilsson, who, I'm sorry, I'm so bored by. That blonde what? who's always taking over when he leaves. Yeah, uh, Space yeah. Hope Davis is she, she what re- I like to call her. She replaced uh, Arium. Yeah, she was the actress who played Arium, yes. but she replaced Arium. Yeah, third command. And she wasn't. Was she the actress who played 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same actress. Like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah, I mean. Like, I don't want to do makeup anymore. All right, we're killing you off. <laughs> but, you know, at, at the same time, like, maybe for once in a Star Trek episode, the second officer might not be an uh, important character. True. Uh, the Pris show says she wants Linus. She wants Linus to be the next first officer, by the way. Oh, well. Come on. Linus is... Here's the thing. I definitely want Linus not to be like the... Oh, like the Ziggy of the... <laughs> See, I find that character very queeny. That character's very queeny. No. Linus? <laughs> Ziggy or queeny? You're going to find out today. <laughs> Uh, interesting interesting before we get out of here there is the the black box which wasn't even a box guys <laughs> why it gotta be uh, a black box <laughs> yeah why does it uh, <laughs> why has so it gotta be a deal? black alert that was originally <laughs> what i wanted to call you know show. what at first i used to cringe at that but i'm totally getting black alert merchandise <laughs> i'm buying in man <laughs> hey man if you ever up. enter professional wrestling that would be my pitch to you black i think alert. you should be called black alert uh, what do you guys think the black box will tell us, especially when? So will it be next week or the week after? And what do you think it will tell us? Uh, I watched the uh, Will Wheaton uh, Ready Room, and they actually give you a little a little piece of that. So I could tell you, or you could watch it. Totally up to you. Well, they didn't get all of it, so tell us the piece. I, I think Ready Room well, counts as, as being... You know, this... Uh, this actually gives them, I think, three sources of uh, knowledge of what when the burn happened. So because of that, they can literally triangulate and mm -hmm. see how they don't match up. Yeah. And, uh, and since they don't match up, I believe Burnham tells us this, uh, and this is why she wanted the black box, we could get a sense of when it happened and in what order. Interesting. And and because of that, we can know that it was a planned event, that it was coordinated, as opposed to an accident, which might have happened everywhere, all at once. And you think we're getting more information next week, or is one of those things where they plant it now and then bring it up like three episodes later and you forgot about it? The I scene that they showed in Ready Room is from next week. Got it. Also, but I think it's just going to be a little bit here and there to pull us to draw us in as an audience. We're going to get a little information here and then they're going to find out a little bit more down the line. And yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that would be, uh, that would be classic storytelling right there. Even though uh, I don't trust them to do that because they always do things out of order. This right. has always been my thing with discovery. Uh, usually you're watching a Star Trek for three years before you get to see the mirror universe, the Terran universe. Right. They did it in season one. Right. They're constantly messing with your expectations, constantly messing that's with... Why I'm not able to predict anything. <laughs> like, I have Fair theories enough. and ideas, but you can't predict anything because they are doing things out of order. That season one was so fast. I used to get so much heat from Star Trek fans when I said my favorite captain was Lorca. They're like, that's Picard. I'm like, but Lorca's cool. Oh, you know, all right. Lorca was so cool. He was. That was man, a, he was. A, that's a classic mislead, too. You create a character that you go, oh, well, at least I know what this guy's all about. True. And then it turns out, see, oh, no. He has migraine. That's why he couldn't see you out in the sun. Again, I'm more of, when it comes to my fandoms, I try to be the bridger there where I try to think of what do we like together as opposed to what we hate. Because mm. uh, like John, 
Deep Space Nine is my favorite, and that's not a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. So it varies all the time. Like, I'm so yeah. excited for Flobo right now, Jimmy. I am so excited because he's pretty much gotten through season three, which means he did like uh, it's like when you go to college and you have to take all the gut courses. All like yeah. introduction to this, introduction to that, yeah. and then you finally get into like the really stuff that's made for you. And I'm right, telling yeah. you, Flobo, this is this is your series, man. Cisco still has hair. Series. That's where I am in the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I am. Has, has 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 Q showed up yet? I don't Q remember. Has not. Q, okay. okay, I got as far as I'm episode not going to say anything week. that because the way <laughs> Q handles Bakar, uh, uh, Q is handled by. Um, Oh my gosh, you just Cisco? said his name. Cisco, Cisco is completely different than how Picard handles Q, and I can't wait to hear your response to that. <laughs> I'm at the episode where uh, Nock wants to join Starfleet for an internship. So it's middle okay. season three. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah, uh, but it's about time we get out of here, though. It's, it's yeah. our hour. I'll be back next it's week flawless. or at a special time. Usually the show airs on Thursdays on Twitch and, and live on Twitter. We'll be there next Friday. Black Alert Friday. We'll be here. Before we got here, Oni, where can the world find you, follow you, buy your merch if you have it online? Uh, the American Oni is on Facebook on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you could find uh, the Kauai Club on TikTok if you're a TikTok clown like me. And also, uh, if you look up on Pro Wrestling Tees, the American Oni, you could find my merch there. What? Pro Wrestling Tees? Fancy. Yep. Pro Wrestling Tees. Yep. He's got some <laughs> swag. <laughs> John Weber, where can I find you, man? I want to. As you. always, you could find me on Twitter or on Instagram, and uh, of course Facebook if you if you're looking. And uh, every week, oh, I'm looking. right here on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you guys want to see me and all the other shows I'm working on in the planet, NewAmsterdam.com, KNEWAmsterdam.com. Like I said, next week we'll be back Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, for the next episode of Star Trek Discovery Commander's Log. But until next time, put them up, live long, and prosper.